So good morning, Eastside family. I certainly want to welcome you this morning. We're going to let our children who typically go to junior worship to come this way on the stage. And while they're coming up here on the stage for a little story time, I want just to remind you of a very important aspect of our worship service, and that is the offering that we bring before God. And because we're not passing trays, we have four ways that you can certainly give your offering to the Lord as, as an expression of worship. Those of you that are with us in person, you can give your offering at the a basket that's there on the table as you exit. For those of you who aren't with us live uh, in person but are live streaming, we are so delighted to have you with us this morning. You're just as much a part of this church family and assembly, and it's, we're honored to have you here with us. You're welcome to um, go online to our website, eastsidesprings.com. You'll find a little button that says give and just follow these instructions. You can mail a check to the church building, or you can also... Um, what was the last one? I've got my teleprompter. I don't work well without a teleprompter. Give online. Automatic draft through a bank is another way. Is everybody up here? So be certain to worship God in that way. Is everybody up here? So what's going to happen here is Mr. Eddie is going to read you guys a story. And this is actually the story that these other guys are going to be listening when you guys go to junior worship, but I was trying to figure out how can I get them to understand what I'm trying to say, and I thought, well, if I use this Bible and read this to you guys, then chances are the rest of them are going to get it, but you guys need to know something. Listen, we absolutely adore you all. We love you all so much, and we want to tell you a story, and Mr. Eddie is incredibly talented. I can read upside down, okay? So I'm going to read this story to you upside down so that you can see the pictures, okay? So this is what we typically call the story of the Good Samaritan. You ever heard that story before, the story of the Good Samaritan? I'm going to read it. It says, one day a lawyer, and we'll just say this guy that went to church and he thought he was really important, he put Jesus to the test and he said, I, I know that, that the Bible says we're supposed to love God and we're supposed to love others with all of our heart. But who is my neighbor? Whom am I really supposed to love? And so Jesus says to this guy, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story, okay? So look at this. Jesus told this story of this parable. A parable is a story that Jesus is telling. You know the story, I bet, don't you, Skylar? You can say what a parable is? What's a parable? A parable is a daily story with a godly message. That's very good. You must have some parents doing a good job with you. So this guy was traveling on his way from a road from Jericho to Jerusalem. But look who was hiding behind the tree. There were robbers. Look at their faces. Can you make the face of a robber? What do they look like? They were, they were mean robbers. And they saw this guy traveling on the road. And so they went up to him and they beat him up. They knocked him down and they stole everything he had. And so here he is lying on the side of the street. And look, he has Bobo. You ever had a Bobo? Raise your hand. Have you ever had a Bobo? You have one right now? Have you ever had one, Nathan? Yeah, you get Bobos. And what happens when you have a Bobo? You get a Band-Aid put on it. And so he's lying on the side of the road. Can you see him? It's like he's, he's dying. He can't even talk. It's like he's unconscious and he can't concentrate. And so this guy who was like, I hate to say this, kind of like a preacher, 
He walked past this guy and he saw him, but you know what he did? He goes, oh, I don't want to talk to that guy. I don't want to help that guy. I might get in trouble. He, he just, you know what he did? He walked around him and didn't help him. Was that good or bad? bad. That was bad. Hattie, you need to stay with Mr. Eddie. Come back here. Okay, so then another guy that was a church-going, Bible-teaching kind of guy, he walked up to this man who was lying on the side of the road, hurt and beat up, and he didn't stop to help him either. You know what he did? He walked right past him. That's exactly right. Benji, right? I thought I remembered your name. That's Benji's moms and dads can be proud, right? Um, he walked right past him too. That's just terrible. But then there was another man. He walked past him and he saw him. And this was the Samaritan. And you know what the Samaritan did? It says he stopped. He cleaned up the man. He knelt down. He put band-aids or bandages on his bobos. He even poured this stuff. Sometimes when you get a cut, you pour stuff on the wounds and it kind of burns. He did that. And then he put the guy on his donkey. Who has a donkey? Anybody have a donkey? None of you guys have a donkey. That'd be kind of like putting him on his motorcycle. You have a donkey? I bet you do. And he put him on his donkey. And it says he, he walked with him all the way to like an inn. And that's kind of like a hotel where you spend the night. And he stayed with the guy all night while the guy was just resting and recovering and trying to get better. You see that? And then, wait a minute, everybody can sit down so everybody can see the picture. And then the man that owned the, owned the inn, he said, look, I got to go for a little bit. Here's some money. You take the money and use it to take care of this guy until I come back. Isn't that nice? Was he being good to this man or bad to this man? Good. He was being very good to this man. He was taking care of him, okay? And so Jesus then says to this guy that was the church-going kind of lawyer that we call him, after Jesus finished, he asked this man, of those three people, those two church guys and this Samaritan, he said, which one was really the good person? Which one was really the lawyer? Which one was really the, the, the Samaritan, the good one? My bad. He said, the one who took care of him, the one who took care of the hurt man, that was the one that did what was right. And Jesus says, you know what you should do? You should go and do the same thing for other people. So this is a powerful story about stopping and loving and helping people no matter who they are so that you can be kind to them and show them God's love. Okay, so I'm going to say a prayer and then you guys are going to go to junior worship, right? Dear God, thank you for this beautiful, powerful story. Take it and, and plant its seed deep into our hearts and cause it to grow that we can be people who show your love to others as well. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, we'll see you guys later. All right, so let's take our Bibles. You got the story, right? Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 10. I want to welcome, I, don't, I think she's gone, uh, Cheryl Nordberg and her husband were here. She's the director of our, of our elementary school. She was here because of Alexander. I want to certainly, Cheryl, there she is way over there. There you go, okay. Uh, we're glad to have you here. Thank you. And we're just they're so thankful for our school. We're so thankful for our teachers. We're so thankful for the work that our PPCS board does to, to help us in our mission of making disciples of all nations. We're glad to have Alexander and Michaela and Michael's family with us as well. Take your Bibles, and we're going back today to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. 
And perhaps you remember since we celebrated recently Martin Luther King Jr. Day and since still after, I guess, six decades, we in our nation, in our world, in our churches, in our lives, we, are, we still hadn't got it figured out. We still struggle with issues of racism and discrimination. And so because of this, in, in connection with that national holiday that's so, so much a, a part of what's important to us as a nation, I decided to, to jump ahead in our series in, in the book of Luke to chapter 10 because this is, a, this is a, a parable that's unique to the gospel of Luke, very popular par- parable. And typically, the, our take-home lesson is what I shared with the kids. It's a lesson about, we take home, it's a lesson about you need to do good to others when they're in need. But there is a powerful message here in this parable that you don't want to miss that's basically confronting racial animosity. Jesus is speaking, as I've always kind of set the stage for this in two previous lessons. He's telling this, this story, this parable, to a, a Bible-believing, church-going man, or a religious lawyer, as he's called here. And he's a guy who thought he had eternal life by loving God and by loving others through the things that he did. But in reality, this is a man who held sinful racial animosity in his heart. And so Jesus, by this story, helps this man face this to overcome it. And so what we're doing is we're we're looking at this message as it was told to this man. He was the original hero. What is Jesus' message to this man to whom Jesus is speaking? And after we understand what his message to this man was, then we'll figure out how is it relevant to us in our lives as well. And we see from this parable what I have entitled, Jesus critical race theory. Now I'm guessing that some of you have never ever heard before maybe this term, the critical race theory. I'm guessing that some of you have heard about it, studied about it, and you know all kinds of things about it. And I'm guessing the majority of you are going like, I've heard about it. I'm kind of wondering what it's about. I'm not sure if it's good or or bad. But if you haven't heard of it, I'm guessing that eventually You're going to because this is at the core of today's racial debate. And it's being presented as as basically an attempt to address our issues of racism and discrimination, especially as teaching that should be in schools is being suggested to help change the way we see and understand things, to help basically change our nation. And so it's become an incredibly heated debate among parents, among school boards and school board members. It's an incredibly heated debate among politicians as well. Everybody's taking their stands on one of two sides. And here's what's absolutely crazy about this. this. This effort or attempt to work out these problems... It's creating greater problems. It's creating even greater animosity and division in our nation. It's like it's become one more log on the fire of all that we have been seeing. Tony Evans, I mentioned him last week. He's a respected evangelical writer and preacher. In his book, Kingdom Race Theology, tremendous book, I recommend it. He defines the critical race theory with these words. It's a post-civil rights social theory that demonstrates how unjust laws have served as the embedded foundation and filter through which racist attitudes, behavior, 
policy and structures have been rooted and continue to influence the fabric of the American life, politics, and systems even after those laws were changed. I've got that on the screen because you're going, wow, I don't think I got that. Well, you ought to listen to some of the videos or podcasts on this too, and and your head's going to spin as well. It's something similar, this definition, as to what is being called systemic racism. That's similar as well. And while one aspect of the critical race theory is to teach the truth of, of history In our nation, and I think that's a great idea because if in any ways we've whitewashed our history, well, that needs to be corrected. But one of the challenges or the concerns is that in many cases it's possibly actually rewriting history inaccurately. Another concern is that it focuses so heavy on on what you would call collective institutional structures, seeing people in particular classes or races that it reduces individualism and personal responsibility in our nation, and basically just locks black and white into an oppressor and oppressed matrix. Some would tell you that this critical race theory actually has been influenced by or has its roots in Marxism. And if you know history, that's something that has proven historically to be disastrous in many, many nations. Karen and I lived and, and served in ministry for 10 years, and we continue to serve there now from, from, um, as long distance. In the country that was Czechoslovakia, it's now the Czech Republic. And this was a nation that was ruled by a communist, Marxist, Leninist political party for 40 years. And after that rule ended, we went in and we witnessed firsthand the aftermath of its rule. We witnessed this attempt to bring down the oppressor and raise up the oppressed. It did nothing more but raise up a new form of oppression. A new oppressor that for four decades held a nation captive, crushing the soul of the Czech people with an iron fist and the iron curtain. That's about two minutes on the critical race theory And I could go two hours and still not have covered it. There's so many complexities and nuances to it. I would encourage you to do your own homework. And then after you've done your own homework and research, to compare it to what Scripture says. And that's really what my job is, is not to give a lecture on the critical race theory, but is to take what is happening out there and say, what does God's Word have to say? And how do we compare it to Scripture? In the midst of, of whether you would call it overt or covert laws that seem to undergird racism, we need to be reminded of what the Bible tells us is the greatest law. Jesus speaks of with this man, the law of loving God and loving others. So there's three further truths I want us to notice from this parable. The problem is we only have time for one of these today. We're going to cover it today and then next week we'll finish this mini-series in the parable of the Good Samaritan, there's only one thing I want you to hear this morning that I believe is a driving theme that Jesus was pushing into this man's heart with. It's this point. Love unconditionally. Regardless of who it is, regardless of what they've done, even to you, regardless of what it takes. 
So let's, in, let's enter into this story and, and see this theme. The story opens up in verse 30. In chapter 10 of Luke, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. And so my question is, that I really want to rest on right now, is who was this man? Who was he? Now, many will speculate or say, well, he had to be a Jew because only Jews would have been in this area traveling on this particular road. Although there was a Samaritan in the story also on the road. But typically, you would only see a Jew on this road. And so that's who this man was that was lying on the side of the road. If that's true, if that's who he was, then that man that was lying on the side of the road was to this Samaritan his enemy. That man lying on the side of the road was somebody who looked upon this Samaritan, as I talked to you about it last week, as inferior. That man was somebody who had mistreated him and his people. This is somebody who most likely would not have stopped to help him if the roles had been reversed. And so, you kind of might expect him to follow the playbook of our culture today to see this man and say, why should I help him? I mean, seriously, he deserves to die for how he, has been, how he has treated me and how he has treated my people. Let him get what justice demands. And we hear that word justice used a lot in the conversations that, that are at the forefront of the, the challenges that we see used in ways that are often misused and and abused, used at times as as a cover for vengeance and violence instead of the word mercy that is the driving theme here in Jesus' parable. You see, mercy means that you don't give someone what they deserve. You don't treat them as they treated you. That's our instinct But mercy means that in spite of who they are and what they have done to you, I show them compassion and love and mercy. I love the words spoken by Dr. King in August of 1963 as he stood in our nation's capital at the Lincoln Memorial. He was an incredible orator. He writes these, he spoke these words, Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. We must forever conduct our, conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protest to degenerate into physical violence. Again and again, we must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. This Samaritan responded to this man on the side of the road with soul force. The soul force of mercy and love, and not with a cup of bitterness. And sadly, in our world today, many are being given gallons and gallons of bitterness to drink, and are being encouraged to express it in the name of justice, not making forward progress but dividing our nation and our people even further. Church, we saw this on January 6th in our nation's capital, sadly. 
We've seen examples of this on the other side of the aisle with violent riots and and protests in our capital cities in various states throughout our country. Retaliatory acts of vengeance and violence under the false banner of justice. And it's not doing anything but adding fuel to the fires. And Jesus, by his life and by his teaching, shows us a different way, a better way as we see in this parable. And so I'm still asking the question, who was this guy? And maybe we don't know because he'd gotten so beaten up that he wasn't recognizable. Maybe that's why we don't, we're not told who he was. We, we, his skin color wouldn't have helped. Maybe we could have looked at his skin color that would tell us, but that wouldn't help because skin color didn't distinguish a, a Jew from a Samaritan. Whatever clothes he had, which might have identified him for us, they were stripped off of him. He didn't have clothes to wear. And maybe if we listen to his accent, you can sometimes tell where somebody's from. Is he a Jew, a Samaritan by his accent? But he was lying half dead on the side of the road, probably unable to speak. Or if he was able to speak, then maybe it was just through a a raspy groan. We're not told of his nationality. His ethnicity, his color, his religion. Who was this guy? And what was he doing here? Shouldn't he have known better than to travel down this road that was known to be so treacherous and dangerous? I mean, how stupid can you be? He should have never been there. Like, what do you expect? I wonder what he had done to get himself into that mess. Was he likely a a drug dealer? Was he likely a thief? And I mean, hey, that's just what happens, buddy, in that world of crime. Was he a foreigner who had come into our nation illegally and he should have never been there in the first place? Was he white? Was he black? Was he Hispanic? Was he Oriental? Was he Christian? Was he Muslim? Was he a member of ISIS? Was he rich? Was he poor? I wonder what his sexual preference was. Was he a member of the Klan? Was he a member of the Black Panthers? Was he a member of the Proud Boys? Was he he a member of, of Antifa? Was he a Republican? Was he a Democrat? Was he a vaxxer? Or was he an anti-vaxxer? Was he a, a Kansas City Chiefs fan? Or a Bengals fan, as he should have been? Isn't that right, Scott? <laughs> that, uh, that, that was for you, Chris. Why doesn't Jesus... Tell us who he was. Because it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I think that's why. All that we're told about this man is all that we need to know. He was a man who was going from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. He was a man who fell 
into the hands of the robbers. Isn't that all that we need to know? So Jesus is looking this man straight into the eyes, straight into his heart, and he's saying to this man, do you love unconditionally? Regardless of who it is, and regardless of what he's done, even to you. He's asking us the same question as well. But then, but then I think he's driving home another question or a, another point as well about this unconditional love. He's asking him by this story, do you love unconditionally regardless of what it takes? So I want you to notice in this story what this man does, what this Samaritan does for this man in need. We see in verse 33 that he saw him and he had pity. He was moved. He had compassion for this man. And he came to this naked, bleeding man and he bandaged his wounds to stop the bleeding, the text tells us. He, he poured his own oil and wine. Traveling in these days, you would all travel and always have their own oil and, and wine with them. And this served as something of a a soothing antiseptic. But the word for poured oil and wine on them is the same word we saw in Jude for lavishing upon someone. What God does for us, it's lavishing upon this man, his oil and his wine. It wasn't that he had this oil and wine and there's just a wee little drop. You can't give him too much because you've got to keep... It was just whatever he needs and more. He's just pouring it out. And, and you've got to think about this. This Samaritan was taking a huge risk. Not only because he was stopping on this road, but he was taking a risk because he was traveling on this road. Samaritans don't need to be, should not be there. You know better than to travel in this dangerous part of town. You're in enemy territory. And so I'm just kind of wondering, did, he, did that not register to him? You don't want to stop, keep going. Did it not register to him that these robbers who took this man are probably going to recognize him and come after him as well? There was a risk. There was a risk here. And take of a, a, a perhaps risking his own life. It doesn't say that he put the man on a donkey. It says he put him on his own donkey. Because this guy couldn't walk. And so the Samaritan did walk. And then in verse 35, with, depending on your translation, it says the next morning or the next day. That tells us he didn't just drop that guy off. You could just see him there with this man all night until the next day. And then he takes out two denarii, or your translations may say, two coins of silver. And he says to the innkeeper, I can't stay. I'm going to have to leave some money here. But historians will tell us that would have been enough for at least two months to stay at a typical inn in those days. And he, you might think, goodness, that's enough. You're incredible. <laughs> but he still didn't stop. He said, I'll be back to follow up with this guy. He promised to return. He was actually risking being taken advantage of by the innkeeper. Whatever extra expenses, I'll cover it. 
Martin Luther King Jr. in in speaking and teaching on this story about the Samaritan's care for this man stated these words. He says, let us develop a kind of dangerous, I love this, dangerous unselfishness. That's what this Samaritan displayed. Unconditional love, regardless of what it takes, even if it meant taking his own life. And so with this parable, Jesus is speaking to this religious, Bible-believing, church-going man whose heart so much needed healing. He looked him in the eyes and deep into his heart, he looks into our eyes and our hearts, and he asked this question. You may hear sermons and read scriptures and sing songs about loving God and loving your neighbor. You may tithe each Sunday. You may give contributions to charitable organizations. You may show how much you care by the words that are written on the front of your baseball cap. Or by the words of protest you speak at our government buildings. Or by the words written on your posters. You may even serve food at some charitable organizations from time to time or donate money to them. You may help load our container of goods as we did yesterday that are going to help people in Zambia. You may have contributed a Magi box. You may go on a mission trip once a year. But in your day-to-day life, do you love unconditionally? Regardless of what it takes, with a dangerous selfishness. This is the message that I I hear Jesus speaking to this man on this day. Do you do you love unconditionally? Regardless of who it is. Regardless what they've done to you regardless what it takes as Jesus stood before this man he's asking this man do you love others as the one who stands before you loves you unconditionally hey I'm Eddie White the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.